Welcome back to the podcast, the Francis Asbury Society. This is episode 46. Today, we're delighted to have Vic Reasoner, our director of publishing, share the devotion with us. Uh, Vic gives a, what he calls not a traditional Christmas devotion, but I think it fits very well with Advent. And I'm going to title this from Vic's closing line of God knows what he's doing, even when it's dark outside. So enjoy this good devotion by Vic Reasoner. All right. Well, thanks, Josh. Um, There is a very difficult statement that Paul makes in Colossians 1 and verse 24. I'll I'll read it to you. And and, uh, with that introduction, you, I think, will pick up on on the question that arises. Paul says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Well, I think immediately it sounds as though Paul is saying that the suffering of Christ is not sufficient and that he had to suffer additionally for the Colossian church. Well, we know from the general context of scripture that uh, Jesus paid it all, that uh, that could not be what what Paul was saying. And and I think the clue here that helps us is um, he's talking about the sake of the body. He's talking corporately, uh, and he's not talking about individual salvation. But I think what Paul is saying here is that uh, if Christ as head of the church suffered, then the body which is connected to the head will also suffer. And when the church suffers, Christ is in solidarity with it. We're not talking about adding anything to the atonement of Christ by our suffering. This this doesn't have to do with with salvation, but I think it has to do with uh, evangelization and the advancement of the kingdom that it advances through suffering. Um, I, I've just noticed several instances, even in Philippians 1, that Paul does not say that the gospel is advancing in spite of their suffering, but he actually says that the gospel is advancing because of their suffering. And so that helps us, I think, understand one of the hardest questions we struggle with, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, But I was reading a a commentator, Peter O'Brien, in the Word Biblical Commentary. He takes this even further. Uh, It's not a soteriological statement, but he says it's an eschatological statement. And uh, he argues that before God's purpose can be finally accomplished, there must be a level or measure of suffering that is fulfilled by the church. And his argument for this is that there seems to be these kinds of statements in Scripture. Galatians 4.4 is one that he uses, and that, of course, is a Christmas passage. When the fullness of time had come, Christ didn't come at an arbitrary time. Uh, He didn't come spontaneously, 
but there was at least a 4,000 year gap from the promise of his coming to his actual advent. And it seems as though that God has, God who lives outside of time, seems to pay attention to time. There's this statement also uh, about the great tribulation that O'Brien references. And you may remember this statement that uh, if those days of suffering were not cut short, that even the elect might, uh, might lose their way. And it seems as though God has a definite time for things. Um, the one that comes to my mind is that uh, the Jews in Egypt cry out for deliverance. And for such a long period, 430 some years, it seems as though God is not hearing their cry. But in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 41, um, Moses emphasizes the fact that they were delivered on the very day, 430 years of captivity. They are led out on the very day. That, that seems to um, exclude any notion that the timing was arbitrary with God. Now, we hesitate a little bit with this because it sounds like it's predestination. And I would suggest to us that God does not predestine individuals arbitrarily, either to election or reprobation. But it seems that there are some events that God has predestined. And O'Brien writes that uh, Paul understands that his suffering is helping to fill up this predetermined measure that as Paul brings this suffering that seems to be required to an end, then the dawn of future glory is that much closer. I'm just going to quote one sentence from O'Brien. The more sufferings he, referring to Paul, the more sufferings Paul personally absorbed as he was engaged in his apostolic task of preaching the gospel, the less would remain for those uh, those follow, fellow Christians to endure. I'm just suggesting that for, for our, our thinking, uh, but that seems to give a definite understanding to how Paul views suffering. If this is true, then in God's economy, suffering is not wasted. That, that's the bigger point. However, in the crucible of suffering, we lose perspective and, and our suffering makes no sense. And God is saying to us, just trust me. And, and it's significant. Have you noticed in reading through the scriptures how many laments there are? Oh, Lord, how long? How long will you allow us to keep going? Now, just unpack that with me for a moment. We agree, don't we, that all scripture is inspired of God. And so the Holy Spirit is inspiring these laments to be recorded. Uh, if you pardon me for being a little facetious, in, in today's Christian world, we hire public relation firms to help us project a good advertising strategy. 
I can just imagine a little pushback at this point. I can imagine that if the scriptures had been sent to a consulting firm, they would have come back and said, um, you need to cut that part out. That doesn't sell very well. That doesn't reflect very well on the benevolence of God. But you see, the irony is that even though God knows the answer to the question, instead of giving the answer to the question, he allows his people, he allows us to raise those questions. And I think that they are inspired scripture just to tell us that that's the norm. We think when we're in a tight spot, that that's the exception. I don't know why I got into this situation. I was just trying to help people. That's a good way to get in trouble, isn't it? And, and I think that we need to understand that that is always the norm. And we'll really not understand this side of eternity, why God lets things unfold as they do. But this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Therefore, we don't lose heart. Of course, sometimes we do when we don't maintain this perspective. But we need not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And there's that balance. There's that comparison and we completely lose that perspective in the crucible of suffering. And we just have to trust that God knows best, that God knows what he's doing. Um, if I could just bring it to a very homey illustration, uh, have any of you ever done or watched someone do latch hook? You know what I mean by latch hook? You, you, um, you, you take yarn and with some kind of a needle, you put it in a mesh. And uh, as you work on this pattern, it makes a design or a picture. But I think that we live our whole lives only seeing the backside. And the backside is gnarled and knotted. And it doesn't make any sense. And uh, we enter ministry thinking we're going to make a difference. And sometimes uh, generations later, decades later, we wonder, have we really done any good? And that's when the devil becomes very sympathetic, doesn't he? The rascal, he doesn't care about us at all. But when we start um, going down that path, he becomes very sympathetic with us. Um, but if we'll just trust God, I think at the day of judgment, he'll turn that piece over and we'll see it that our life was really a work of art, but we never could see it. All I see is the gnarled knots on the backside. And that's, that's what God is doing um, as we try to minister to others. We often come under this struggle or even this despair. Does it matter? Am I doing anything that counts at all? Paul says, uh, according to O'Brien, Paul says, there's a certain amount of suffering that God has exacted. And the more I can contribute to that, the, uh, the faster we can um, 
push along God's ultimate plan to bring his kingdom here to earth. Now, I just leave that for your consideration, and I may need to apologize because it's so close to Christmas that you might have expected a, a joy to the world kind of a devotional, but uh, let me, if you just give me a few more minutes, let me point out that uh, while I enjoy and, and, uh, and experience the joy of Christmas, you remember it was Simeon who was at the temple and Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus and Simeon with this uh, gift of prophecy tells this young couple that their baby would be opposed, that his life would be momentous and a sword would pierce through Mary's soul as well. Now there's, there's that side of Christmas as well. What did that sword, what did that pain, what did that suffering at Christmas consist of? Well, let me just hurriedly itemize five things. Joseph, first of all, had, had a crisis of trust. Could he actually believe this angel story that Mary tells him? Mary knew what had happened. She couldn't explain how it happened, but she had to endure the public shame of people who did not know what had happened. Then there was that arduous journey to Bethlehem in the last uh, days of her pregnancy. And then there's that uh, dream in the middle of the night in which they have to flee to Egypt. And then there's the male babies in Bethlehem that are all slaughtered, all two years and under slaughtered by Herod. Now, none of that diminishes the joy of Christmas. But my point is nothing good ever happens without some suffering, without some dedication, some consecration, and, and some devotion. Jesus' mission began with suffering. His mission was completed with suffering. And I think his kingdom goes forward the same way. And so um, on this Monday morning, thank God the sun is shining. But uh, realize God's on the throne. God's, God knows what he's doing, even when it's dark outside. Thank you, Vic, for that great devotion. And thank you, listener for stopping by. We continue to hope and pray that these are an encouragement, a blessing to you. We continue to invite you to share them with family and friends. Leave us a review, subscribe to the channel. All of that helps get this podcast out there to more people. We are releasing this just before Christmas. And so on behalf of the Francis Asbury Society, we do wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We are just privileged and honored to be in this relationship with you, to be on this journey as we receive, model, and share the transforming love of God for the redemption of the world. We're excited for what is still to come uh, next year, and we'll see you next time.